Kevin uh, started the movie wanting to never be around his family again. Uh, he's been home alone for a while. He's now talking to Santa, and his reality, his perception has changed. Now, what felt like ideal, living without family, has now, reality has, has kicked him in the butt, and now he's found out through a reality kick in the butt the importance of family. Reality humbled him. It tested him. And then today we want to find out, we want to realize that in reality, we find out what is of true blessing. We're going to look at Genesis uh, chapter uh, 22. We're going to look at a very unique passage uh, that, that most people probably wouldn't read over the Christmas season. Uh, but in this, we want to look at, we want to be challenged with the conflict between ideal and reality. I want us to consider that the ideal life is not this life. The ideal life is the one to come. So with that, let me begin by prayer. God, Lord, I need you. We need you. Father, I know what you have put on my heart today to say. And Lord, I know men, women, and children in this room, Lord, that are here not by accident, that you have ordained them to be here for, us, for this Sunday, for this talk, Father. For, for Genesis 22 that was, that was planned to be preached over six months ago, Father. They are here, and would you use this time in your powerful name, amen. So here's, here's how the, uh, the story goes in Genesis chapter 22. It will be on the screen, in the app, and things of that nature. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, it's important, who approaches who? God approaches Abraham. He says, Abraham, he said, here I am. Take your son. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. So it's going to be important for us to know that throughout this whole passage that God clearly understands Abraham really, really loves his child. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Abraham, get moving. Start traveling, and I'll show you where to go as you are moving. Not unique to, uh, to Abraham. This test does not come out of the blue. It says, after these things. So Abraham is growing in his faith. He's had other tests. If you're familiar with Abraham, God keeps making him promises. He's an old man. At the age of 99, he was circumcised because a promise was given to him that you will have a child and a nation will come from this child. He, so he's seen this. And then he took matters into his own hands with, with sleeping with a maidservant. And, he, and they birthed Ishmael, not Isaac. He, he, he took matters into his own hands, spawns a child that, that isn't how God ordained it to happen. And so had this been the first challenge, had this been the first one, hey, Abraham, take your child and go and sacrifice him, Abraham probably punks out. But he's been challenged time and time again. And he's learning how do I surrender? How do I give this fully over to God? What God intends through, through this test, even though it's not ideal, he's trying to go to Abraham and say, Abraham, no more shortcuts. If I promised you something, do it the way that I've asked you to do it. When we, uh, some of us in this room might play poker, sinners, and uh, I kid, but seriously. And, uh, and so in, in poker, if you're, if you're in a 10-person a ta table and someone deals you and you get dealt uh, pocket aces, that's, a real, that's the ideal hand. That's the best odds to, to win a poker hand. That's when you want to go all in. That you get dealt pocket aces about once every uh, 221 hands. 
the least ideal, the, 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 the ones that, the, the hand that probably won't win any other hand is 7-2 off suit. See, but when you get dealt these cards, the person that's around the table doesn't know, unless you have an awful poker face, if you have been dealt the ideal hand. They don't know. You might be, you might be sitting at the table with 7-2 off suit. They don't know that. The challenge is, if you don't have the ideal hand, how are you going to play the cards? Are you going to play them like you have pocket aces? You can't control the cards that you are dealt, but you control how you play them and what you do with them. It's the difference between ideal and reality. Ideal is, is pocket aces, but this might be reality. You might say, hey, well, ideal is when I show up to the doctors for my given appointment time, ideal is that the doctor will see me right away. If you've ever been to the doctors, you have an appointment, and you know the reality is you're going to wait another 45 minutes before they even see you. Ideal is I can get to work in 30 minutes with no traffic. I can get to work in 30 minutes, but every single morning at about 8.30, it takes me about 15 minutes longer. At 8.30, the reality is 45 minutes, although ideal is 30 minutes. We, as a society, have a huge problem confusing the ideal, the perfect commute, with normal traffic. And we get mad at God when ideal doesn't play out and we face reality. Hence how we act in traffic when ideally this should take 30 minutes, but all of a sudden there's a delay. We get all sorts of road rage because ideal has been interrupted with, with, a, um, with reality. And so we get a whole array of emotions. We need to come to terms with a critical, a critical thing for us, you and I today. This is not the ideal life. The ideal life is the one to come. So the death that you're facing this Christmas season may not be ideal, but I know a place where there is no more death. The, the health issues that you or a loved one are facing right now may not be ideal this Christmas season, but I know a place that boasts of perfect health. The money issues may not be ideal that you or a loved one is facing this Christmas season, but I know a place with a generous king who owns it all. Abraham is forced to deal with reality, not the ideal situation. So here's what he does. Abraham rose early in the morning. To obey in this regards means that Abraham was certain that this was of God. He saddled his donkey. He took on uh, his young men uh, with him and his son Isaac. He never speaks back to God. The fact that he's obedient is the response. And he cut the wood and, uh, for the burnt offering. He arose and went to the place in which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Three days journey. This, this means that this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. This means that as, as Abraham is traveling for three whole days, that mountain is getting larger and larger. He's being tempted every single day. To, do I trust God? Do I rationalize away from what God has asked me to do? The time that elapsed, the three days journey, tells us that this is a response to God, not just a reaction. It's a decision. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey, and I, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. His obedience is classified as worship. <laughs> And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand in the fire and the knife. So they both went, uh, went them together. And Isaac said to his father, the obvious question, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but, but where is the lamb 
for the burnt offering. To be obedient, they're climbing up a mountain with a whole bunch of wood, a whole bunch of supplies. Sometimes being obedient to God takes a toll on us. Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So, so they went, both of them together, laid him on the altar at the top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out with his hand, took his knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay uh, your hand on the boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horn. So Abraham took, uh, went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide it, and as it is to this day, on that mount, the Lord shall be provided. The command to you and I in, all, in our culture seems ludicrous. Like, would God, like, what is going on? But, but Abraham, in that culture, this was something that was common among the Can, uh, Canaanites. This was not foreign uh, to Abraham. So it might be culturally logical, despite being emotionally harsh. Abraham is compliant. He's saddened, but he's not dumbfounded. He knows that this is culturally something that for time to time will happen. But think about this. God does not intend to have the child sacrificed. If Abraham is disobedient, guess what? The child lives. If, if, if Abraham is obedient, how it played out is how it played out. The child still lives. Either way, the child lives. God repeatedly said to, to Abraham, from you and your wife, not your maidservant, will come a child. Even though you guys are old as dirt, I will give you a child. <laughs> And there is the promise. It will become a nation. That promise is not possible if Isaac dies. So Abraham's on his way. He might be, he might be rationalizing. Maybe it's resurrection. Either way, Abraham is confident in God's promise. And this is the first time where Abraham goes confidently, doesn't take matters into his own hands, trying to spawn Ishmael. No, he acts in faith. His faith is demonstrated in his willingness to obey the command and also look to God that he's going to have a favorable response. There is so much gospel foreshadowing in this passage. We have two potential sacrifices. One actually does happen that's made on a hill. Oh, blessed Calvary. Abraham is, is, is about to sacrifice his son, and Isaac is looking up. He has to be thinking, Daddy, as he gazes into his dad's eyes with that knife coming down. One day the Son of God will gaze up into heaven. And yell out, it is finished. With the arm in motion, Abraham knows now the nearness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord. And that goodness and that nearness is open to you and I. God has still provided. He's still in the business of providing. We can look to God and through Jesus Christ and know the provision of our God. Where Abraham didn't have to follow through, one day the Son of God would follow through in obedience and go to the cross for all of mankind, showing us the true definition definition of sacrifice. I got an email uh, about September, a little uh, late, late September. A mom wrote me this email, and it just, it, just, it just soaked with a mom's sacrifice. Listen to this email about our ministry. It blew me away. She said, last year I decided to get an additional part-time job at Kohl's to help pay the bills. Sacrifice. As a single mom, my full-time job wasn't cutting it. 
This spring, a pastor came into Kohl's to buy a Marvel t-shirt. Are you going to see the Avengers Endgame movie, I asked? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually the pastor at Wellspring in TR. You should come check us out one Sunday. We're doing a series using the Marvel, Marvel movies. Little did that pastor know that the children were giving me, my children were giving me a hard time about going to church lately. I sat down with them and told them that not going to church wasn't an option. Do you hear the sacrifice? Do you hear how confident she is? Do you hear, hear the obedience behind that? Going to church was not going to be an option. <laughs> that we would try another church that had a great Marvel-themed message series coming up. So we decided to go. The kids liked it and said they would come to this church. A few weeks later, uh, I came to church and, and Jordan gave, uh, gave the message. I was crying because with, with my daughter about, cr- crying about my, with my daughter about coming to church that morning. And she refused to come. Jordan sat with me, took time to talk with me and to pray with me. A few weekends later, uh, J- Pastor Jason had a call to baptism after service. You all remember that in September? Oh, how I wished that my daughter would get baptized. We watched as many people went up and made decisions of their faith. Too bad. I'm going to Daz after all this, my daughter said. I'm not showing up all wet. Logical. <laughs> a few more weekends passed, and Pastor Jason had another call to baptism after service. My daughter was walking out with me, handed me her cell phone and her necklace, and said, Mom, I'm going to do it. This brought tears of joy to my face. My daughter changed into a Wellspring t-shirt and was baptized. She made a declaration of her faith on that beautiful Sunday, September 22nd. That was awesome, and what an awesome answer to prayer. There are no coincidences. So here is a mom willing to sacrifice and through her sacrifice sees the provision of God as her daughter took, took, walked in obedience and was, ba- and was baptized that day. This hit such a nerve for me because I see my mom throughout this whole passage as she would sacrifice uh, in my childhood and make church such a priority, sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing for me even when I did not like the sacrifice. So we should not get lost in the details of the story. Our sacrifices may look different. God has not asked me to sacrifice my kids. A culture has now been a little bit different. But why? What is God asking you to sacrifice? And why haven't you been obedient? Unlike Abe, are you, Abraham, are you in a state of rebuttal? God, did I hear you correctly? God, can you clarify? God, you know that I love this thing, right? You know letting go of this thing. God, I don't understand. Is your current state of rebuttal a version of refusal? Let me ask this question a little bit differently. What would reckless obedience communicate to God? What would acting in obedience communicate to him? What would following through and doing what appears to be insane when God asks you to do it from God's perspective, wouldn't it communicate that he's important? Wouldn't it communicate that he's worthy? Wouldn't it communicate that he matters? We fail to communicate this to God when we don't act in obedience when he's asking us to sacrifice. So here's now how the story ends. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of of his enemies. And and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have what? Obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. And they rose and went together to Beersheba. Abraham lived there in Beersheba. The test was done so that we could see Abraham's, what would be his motivating factor for the relationship with God. Maybe that's the test before you. 
Are you willing to follow God even if there's nothing in it for you in this life? Abraham answers yes. And after being obedient, God makes the promise again. They experienced through Abraham's blessing, through Abraham's obedience, both God and Abraham were blessed. Can, do you see that? In verse 12, it says, now I know you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. God focuses that on, on Abraham's obedience. God was blessed by Abraham's uh, obedience. He learned something. Now, did God cognitively know Abraham loved him? Yes, he knows all things. He knows your heart. But there's a difference between cognitive knowledge and experiential knowledge. He, he, this day, Abraham was able to show God and to demonstrate that you can experience my love for you by my obedience. I will please you in that regards. And sometimes we are way too focused about being blessed, and we lose sight about being a blessing. I, I, I told the staff this, um, I think it was maybe September or October, we went on a half day of prayer, we all spent a lot of time praying, and after that half day of prayer, I was really convicted that I was leading by example in, in work hard, play hard, I say that a lot to our staff, but I was leading by example in only half of that, uh, working hard but not playing hard, and then, I, and then when I don't play hard, I get judgmental, I get the worst type of, worst type of me, and so I decided that... Uh, I need to, I, instead of roll, rolling over, uh, that, instead of like eating up a bunch of PTO time, that I was going to force myself not to work and take some random days off between now and the end of the year. So I've taken a few Wednesdays off, a few Thursdays off, these random days off so that I would force myself not to play hard. But if you're like me, not working sometimes is harder than, than working. Uh, and so I was able to play sardines with my kids. <laughs> Destroyed them every single time. I was able to... In, and we're in the process of refinancing our house to save some money on our monthly bu budget because I took the time to open up some time. We cut cable and we went with Hulu. Uh, that's a big thing now, uh, Hulu Live. We did, we did that to save some money on our cable. And in this, I, I was able to finish a, a, a chapter three of a book that I'm, I'm trying, trying to write. I went to my counselor uh, about a few weeks ago, and he said to me the first time in two and a half years that he looked at me and said, huh, seems like you're in a good place. And I was like, two and a half years, you have never, ever said to me, huh, it seems like you're in a good place. So God was apparently doing something over my life. But over the last two months, as a pastor, the end of the year is quite stressful. You get, you get to the end of the year of the budget. You get to the end of the year of sermons and prep and Christmas and all of these things. And so for me to say, God, I'm going to rest, like, was forcing me to learn trust for God. In rest, I was able to learn, I was able to start rationalizing what was seemed to be irrational. What, in learning to rest, here's what the blessing came in my life. I learned a lesson. I learned that as I, as I do, 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 I get lost in steps eight, nine, and ten. I worry about all of the future stuff, and I don't worry about, I don't think about steps one and two, one and two that are right in front of me, and I become a typewad. Uh, no one wants to be around me when I'm so worried and focused on future stuff. So in blessing God, trusting him with my rest, he taught me a great lesson that he's worthy of my trust. So are you, worthy, are you willing to be a blessing to God? God knows your heart, but are you, are you willing to provide him experiential knowledge? Any mom, any child, any spouse in this room knows that your loved one loves you, but you crave to experience it. And that's a captivating environment, something that we value here at Wellspring Church. Captivating environments is one where, where we go, we, we're going to know each other's love, and that's going to be captivating. You could have the nicest building in all the world, but if we don't experience each other's love, what good is that? 
And so we better love one another. So how does God bless us? Does he bless us through, through a car, through money, through finances? Sure, he can do that. But that's not typically how God blesses. He will bless us as we go and grow in Christ-likeness. If I say Jesus Christ is awesome, guess what? Growing to be like him is awesome and a blessing. I'm blessed to know that my obedience pleases God and, ple- and is beneficial to the generations to come as it was for Abraham. I am blessed to know God's, God's pleasure and not his disappointment. I'm blessed to be tested. It's like the accelerated program in school where you invite certain kids to be tested and, and to grind and do certain things. It's a blessing to even be in the program even though the program requires some testing. So the blessing is a test. I'm blessed to know God's provision in the midst of testing. I'm blessed one day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So our big thought for for this morning, that I want us to leave you here with all of this understanding about blessing, not what my pastoral counterparts say. All this understanding about what we just said about blessing. Testing leads to blessing. Testing leads to blessing. So what is the ideal uh, Christmas? We've talked about ideal and reality. How how focused are you on the ideal Christmas that you've lost sight of the reality of this Christmas season and ergo you've lost sight of the blessing this Christmas season? How is another's ideal Christmas causing you all sorts of anxiety and fear and pressure this Christmas season? Why are you letting other people define your experience rather than just living in the experience that God has provided? Abe wasn't dealing with the ideal, but he was trusting God in dealing with reality. In this passage that we just read, a whole big passage, do you see Abe ever acting out of control? Do you see him ever acting like life is in a, in a free fall? Do you ever, would you read this passage and say, mm, Abraham's really struggling with fear and anxiety? We would not use any of those words for Abraham. God has never promised either any one of us a smooth ride. So stop expecting the ideal. He promises to hold us in his embrace in reality. So my challenge for you and I right now is to look at your life and ask God, where do you want me to be obedient? Where do you want me to sacrifice? Where do I need to confess? Where do I need to bless you through a process? We're going to be making New Year's resolutions resolutions real soon. Here, here are some pictures, some data that was taken uh, going, in, going out of last year. Top New Year's goals. You might, God might be convicting you in some of these areas. The top three, better diet, exercise more, lose weight. We're all going to have those on our, on our New Year's goals. Well, then spend less money, get a new job, quit smoking. There, way to go, Lori. Uh, read more, find another, drink less. All, all good resolutions. But this same study also showed these other things. It said Americans don't think that people actually keep their resolutions. Here's people who probably think who probably stick to their resolutions. Most people really don't. They they, they agree that most people don't stick to their resolutions. They're, or you, uh, resolutions are pointless. 48% of Americans think resolutions are pointless. Making a New Year's resolution has helped me improve my life. 42% of people would say no. That's a bunch of garbage. But the next, the next slide shows this last statistic. It, it shows us, or this was the last. No, this is, okay. Uh, 31% of people who made resolutions in 2018 didn't stick to them. 31% of people that made resolutions did not do a darn thing. 38 did some. 19 did most. I would fall on the most, but only 
10% of people actually did all their resolutions. So as you think about what you need to confess, where you need to honor God, if you're into making resolutions, what should you put on there to honor your God? And so my challenge to you and I today is to be resolute with our resolutions. This doesn't come naturally to us. We, we want to punk out. We, we, want, we want to end. We want to say no, 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 no. But I'm challenging you today not to punk out. You can't control the cards that you have been dealt in life. But you get to control how you play them. And so how you play the cards that you have been dealt in life, might that communicate to our Lord and our Savior that He truly is worthy. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.